Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage, filmed in front of a live studio audience. That's very nearly true. Uh, so on Friday, things got a little weird and a little wacky as the Shields of Twilight's adventures in the wonderful city of Zuma continued. Oriana found herself in the Temple of Asmodeus and was able to get a little bit of information out of a very friendly priest who only asked for a simple prayer in return. Totally not shady at all. Great deal. Um, while that was happening, Zuma continued to establish itself as the city of love, as Perry had a lovely and extremely cute date with Fulton, and it was a real date, uh, no love potions detected. Later, much later, uh, Campion followed Oriana to midnight mass after Oriana, magically tongue-tied, failed to assure Campion and Sinric that nothing shady was going on. Is something shady going on? It's heavily implied that there's something shady going on. We don't quite know the breadth and scope of what it is yet, but we're definitely going to speculate starting right now. And then a bit later, we're going to talk about the subtle art of playing characters who are not just clones of you as a person. Fun. Um, as always, stick around after the stream for things to think about, organizations to support, and great places to send your spirit change. We've got brand new links this week, finally updated. Uh, I'm your host, Truth Fenson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Uh, we've got two lovely guests tonight. We've got the incomparable Jake and we've got the unspeakable Tick. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining me. So uh, some stuff happened. Uh, we had another date, uh, neither of you were on it. Um, and we had a little bit of a midnight stroll with the damage this time around. What isn't the damage right now? <laughs> What kind of damage does unwittingly signing a contract do? Force? Like, usually. I mean, you broke one of the big rules. I mean, you, you kind of engaged in a battle of wits with a Sicilian. <laughs> hey, Orion's trying to become a Sicilian. You learn by doing. To be fair, she wanted to learn, and she learned. <laughs> First lesson, right? Did she learn yet? Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, cool beans. Yeah, and we're going to obviously dive right into that. But before that, I want to talk about a couple of things that happened last episode. So first of all, did Sinric enjoy his date with Altaim? It's very fun. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. It was more of a babysitting moment, but definitely mm -hmm. fun. I'm more excited to pick up the fancy clothes. Oh, yeah. Where are you going to do with those fancy clothes? Go see a show. I'm, I'm going to wear them. It's not like I need armor. Oh, true. True. Advantages of being a barbarian. Actually, now I'm thinking about it, I'm surprised more barbarians don't just wear, like, fancy suits. Because <laughs> you can. Wear my fancy robe and top hat into a battle. 
Nope, right? sell. Barbarian <laughs> that wears a tux and flexes through the sleeves and has to buy new tux every time. Okay, that's a fantastic character concept. Um, Be like wonderful. one of those muscle guys with no sleeves on the tux suit, like the mm -hmm. frayed edges and the tie and everything. Perfect. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So, so Oriana, um, you finally made it to church. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So before we really dig into all the stuff that happened, what was Oriana hoping to get from like making it to the Temple of Asmodeus? Um, she was hoping to finally get some sort of idea of what it means to follow him. What it means to walk his path, and to kind of to kind of finally get that that question answered of is this something I'm comfortable doing? Um, and for the most part, barring one tiny thing that happened that we don't need to go into detail on, <laughs> um, she did end up learning about what she hoped to learn about. She managed to learn what the tenants are, what it means to walk his path you know, how people walk his path, um, you know, and, and of course, learning, I, similar to Quinn, learning how, you know, Bane, not everybody who worships Bane is, you know, this person who wants to oppress people and be, be mean and assert their power over people. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just generals who are really great at leading troops and pushing through and, you know, uh, people like Quinn who are just doggedly stubborn in their pursuit of their goals um so she is a little bit more willing to follow it now which is why she didn't want to make a big deal about the mass and then kind of figured out that she couldn't make a big deal about the mass to begin with because <laughs> she couldn't speak right, yes the mass did end up being a big deal <laughs> yeah 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 um let's stay a big deal it's probably gonna get bigger honestly um <laughs> Once you figure out that Oriana maybe can't leave the city, uh, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, I have thoughts yeah. on that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. So, like, I thought it was actually pretty interesting to see, like, Oriana actually talking to a priest of her new faith, sort of. Um, you seem to, and she seems to actually kind of open up to this priest pretty quickly. It seemed like she's been really wanting someone to talk to. Is that accurate? <laughs> I would say it's more accurate to say that she's wanted answers for a while, mm -hmm. and this was her first real opportunity to get them in a in a place she felt, air quotes, safe. <laughs> um, she did not think that going to a place where people seek guidance, where people get answers to their questions, where people express their faith, would be a place where she would have to have her guard up and be sort of, you know, double and triple checking everything. Turns out, you know, it's Asmodeus. You, you gotta be on your toes at all times. Uh, <laughs> or you, you end up promising to do something without meaning to. Um, but yeah, th this was, it was, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say she really just wanted the answers. And she got nice. them. Yeah, good that she finally got some of these answers that she's been craving for so long. Um, and I think it was interesting that most of the answers were look inward, as opposed to how religion usually works. Um, but but I kind of wanted to touch on something that did come up during, or came up indirectly during the conversation um, with the priest when um, Oriana sort of talked about how she had been trying to follow Ayun and now she was sort of straddling Ayun at Asmodeus and sort of like looking to Asmodeus too. Where does this desire for godly approval come from with Oriana? Or is, is does this like just mix weirdly with her desire to be the writer of her own story or? It, it weirdly wasn't a thing until Avonhurst. Like, mm -hmm. her entire journey to Avonhurst, her, her, her ideal, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, um, was to just m make a, a li have a life worth living. And it was a relatively recent goal of hers. You know, up until that point, she had been sort of comfortable in her life as a noble and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And then when she started getting her eyes open to the world around her, you know, by her mentors and by traveling and things like that, she realized, I want to make my own story. I want to make a story worthy of the greatest libraries. And in her mind, not knowing religion, that means it needs to be worthy of Ayu, mm. who she perhaps mistakenly, perhaps unintentionally, hard to say, associates with being this sort of grand librarian in a way. Interesting. Um, yeah, honestly, fascinating. Uh, so let's let's backtrack a little bit. I wanted to touch on the fight with um, that Oriana had with Perry in the last episode. Now, actually, I personally don't think it was unreasonable for Oriana to be a little bit paranoid in this instance because people had been hallucinating, but obviously that fight was already primed to happen. Mm -hmm. So can we get like Oriana's perspective on the throwdown in the street? It was, yeah. It, so kind of everything that had been leading up to this, none of this was like Oriana intentionally trying to egg on Perry or get under her skin or anything like that. Um, Ironically enough, I, I think it was more player, but oddly enough, it works for for Oriana as well. The the whole comment on uh, Perry hearing something and maybe thinking, you know, going a little too in-depth into it was probably more of a flub than anything else. It wasn't her trying to say anything about Perry. It was just like, I think we're putting a little too much value on this particular instance. I don't think we're in danger at the moment. And then the later, uh, the later instance of um, Oriana messaging, um, that was to sort of fix and rebuild, you know, mend fences essentially uh, with the earlier fight, which was, you know, Oriana unintentionally maybe saying that, you know, oh, you guys are just paranoid. Okay, well, there's people, but I, I don't think they're supposed to be here that's kind of weird and people have been seeing things let me just double check that it's them guys before we go running after them and you know go twist down a dark alley and oh look there's the harbinger <laughs> oh, um, no. so yeah uh, that's what she tried to do um it, it, as a way to sort of make up for it so it's ironic that it actually made things worse and i actually love as a player, I love that it made things worse because it made this really interesting character moment for Oriana where she realizes by trying to walk both paths, Ayun's path and what she perceives to be Asmodeus's path at that point, she's kind of losing her friends. Mm -hmm. So she has this sort of crisis moment where if I end up walking these paths, am I going to lose my friends? Am I going to lose the people I care about? Which was another reason why she really wanted to get into the library to try and do her own research on uh, Asmodeus and his worship. But then kind of settled for, well, we're near-ish the temple. I'm just going to go to the temple and try and get answers. Cool beans. Um, yeah, and the priest actually, I think, gave a bit of advice not to Oriana directly but he did this actually echoed by Senric later too the necessity of choosing your words carefully mm -hmm. yeah. yeah which I thought yeah. was interesting many um, many lessons learned <laughs> many lessons learned yeah but can we can we talk a little bit about the rift that has opened up between Perry and Oriana because you guys were like we're best friends <laughs> Uh, Oriana's, yeah, Oriana's current goal at the moment is to try and rebuild from the damage that she's unintentionally caused in order to try and, you know, maintain that friendship. She has been very on edge emotionally for a while now, mm -hmm. um, especially after we were at the temple and she got ignored by both of the gods she looks up to in a way. Um, or rather the one she used to look up to and the one she's currently trying to follow. Uh, that was kind of a really, oh, I'm, I'm not important. I'm not doing something or I am doing something wrong. 
and then seeing her friendship starting to deteriorate as a result of trying to follow these paths is just, is it's that eye-opening moment for her of a uh, what's important to me and what do I care about and now that she's gotten that answer that she's been looking for her goal is okay I need to reassess everything I need to apologize for my actions and I need to find a way to make it up to Perry and the rest of the group to show that maybe I was going about things the wrong way but I needed these answers. Isn't that kind of, um, I, I don't want you to like think too much into that, but isn't that kind of the pattern that Oriana's fallen into though? Like she does something, somebody reacts negatively, she apologizes, she tries to make it up. It makes things worse. Have you ever considered not apologizing and just either not, maybe not necessarily doubling um, down, but actually there was a moment in the fight with Peregrine she, where Oriana kind of lost her temper and for the first time, I think, sort of stood up for herself a little bit. That that actually was the moment for her to to do that. To I'm not apologizing. I, I need to find my path. I need to figure mm -hmm. out what I'm doing wrong. Uh, and trying to stand up to Perry, and it, it was, again, it was the fallout of doing that, that she was like, what is this costing me? What is this path costing me right now? Because I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to lose the people mm -hmm. I care about. Um, I think we're going to see her get a little more confident and try to be a little more careful with her words in the future now. Um... And I, I think we'll we'll see, kind of see a little bit of both. We'll see her still trying to um, maintain that friendship while also, you know, being more assertive. Interesting. And what does all this look like from like an outside perspective? Because Sinric was mostly just a fly on the wall, but he's been watching this um, this conflict play out and he watched like Quinn's very negative reaction to it I mean, later on yeah on the surface it's one of those where I, I the way I'm looking at it is it's not necessarily inherently like Oriana's fault um this more seems like it's a kind of like an issue of upbringings and not understanding perspectives from each other um as far as Sinric still looks as Perry is very kind of like naive to the world and how other people like grow up in you know situations like you know e even Oriana where it probably was a very different upbringing a very different set of rules as mm -hmm. far as how one you know grows up um so it, it's one of those where in that sense I think Oriana is pretty naive to the world as well because you know it, she hasn't had the ability to make a decision for herself and that shows yeah, so I, not... yeah, okay, I, I was just gonna say it's it's one of those situations where that particular argument, I, I don't think, you know, either one of them were in the right or in the wrong for that matter. Because I mean that indifference, it's just the the way that things are conveyed, they kind of make people feel like they're beneath a certain level. Mm -hmm. Or just completely indecisive altogether. Whereas Perry is we're going to do this, we're going to save these people, we're going to do this because it's the good and right thing to do. And, you know, again, sometimes that's not always the good thing to do either. So, mm -hmm. like, even going back to the instance of withholding information, you know, withholding that information could have very well saved someone's life. I, I mean, circumstances. yeah, that that's where I take the pragmatic approach as a character, and it's like, I understand that, you know, maybe not knowing about something could have had a good effect. It's not necessarily a bad thing, it, especially around some of our more volatile party members that are, you know, want to do various things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like maybe if those little potions weren't 
labeled free samples, I'll tell you my metrics. Um, that metaphorically, I mean. Um, yeah, but I think Senric has the right idea there, or that's been my impression at least, that there is a slight disconnect when it comes to communication styles. Because Oriana, obviously in her upbringing, um, which, which makes sense, considering she was nobility, it was very, everything was very indirect. You hinted at things, you did not say them outright. Or that's the impression I've got, and Jake, correct me if I'm wrong. That's more or less what I've been going for. She's she's not. It's it. She's a lot more flowery with her words than she needs mm -hmm. to be. I mean, I I get the impression as a character that you never really made a decision. Like the first decision you made was to run away. That was her first decision. Yeah, that and, actually and was. Even then, that wasn't a very adult thing to do, and that's why I mentioned the oh. naivety of things. It, it was pretty much a child throwing a temper tantrum. I mean, but more or less, yeah. I, I would disagree, actually. I think fleeing an arranged marriage is a very classic origin story. I don't think it's necessarily... It, it's, yeah, it, it DM's pointing out that the the arranged marriage was assumed. Oh. There was never mind. actually, yeah, <laughs> he never actually proposed to Oriana. She was scheduled to meet him, and her mother was very excited about it, which her mother has been uh... trying to set her up with high nobility uh, to sort of marry up the ladder, so to speak. So Oriana assumed that's what was going on. And at the time, she was being, I don't want to say deceived, misled maybe, by her mentor who taught her bardic magic mm -hmm. uh, into believing that, you know, well, this guy leads the country and the country is evil. So what do you think is going to happen? I mean, we've already learned on our very brief journey that evil doesn't exactly mean what we think it means. Oh, no, yeah. That, it's, it's, it's why she, a couple sessions back, uh, uh, sent a message to him to apologize because she realizes it was a stupid mistake now and she never should have done that. And I mean, in, in those cases, that's kind of where, you know, Dobby was ahead of the group as far as that thinking um, because it was very. It, it was almost very gray with the character it, as far as like okay mm -hmm. if you kill this person that that's still a good thing in some way um yeah it's like ori and perry i, I don't think would ever have or facilitate that kind of thought if that makes sense well i i intentionally made oriana not very worldwide she's very intelligent very book smart again you know that that plays into her stats and everything and with Perry, I feel like she's a very wise person, but she's has a narrow world view in a way. And see, um, I, because that's yeah. how she grew up. So yes, she's very wise, but she's not very experienced. And as she's journeying, she is becoming more experienced. I think. I, I think you and Perry are more similar than you guys, you know, give yourself credit for, and that's oh. why you end up butting heads. Yeah, we we, we are. <laughs> we are the opposite sides of certain things, but on the same scale. Or rather, we're on the same side of the scale, but we're on like opposite directions, mm -hmm. opposite magnitudes. I don't know. Um, so yeah, they are. They will. I foresee them continuing to butt heads in the future. But I, what I hope to see is that both characters kind of realize it, and it becomes less of a we're mad at each other, we're fighting each other, and more of we have different opinions on things, we have different ways of viewing things, but we'll find common ground. You can have a friendly rivalry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which, though, so Oriana, well, she got a bit of a, not a pep talk, but some words from the priest about leadership. She's now attempting to walk a path, which is all about leadership. Does she want to lead the party? Or does she feel like she's obligated to? Or... It probably feels more like an obligation to her than a, an actual desire. That being said, um, I I think she will take to it, and I think she will enjoy it once she's gotten an idea of how to how to be a leader. I mean, she's never led anybody before, so mm -hmm. there's going to be growing pains. She's going to make mistakes, um, but I think once she gets an idea of how to handle it, I think she'll take to it a lot more willingly unless well this is the path I'm walking interesting interesting too to see how this um 
plays out with Peregrine, who is also, I think, trying to take the reins of the party. Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be one of the things they butt heads on the most. <laughs> yeah, and what I really want for Ariana is to not back down and not apologize for trying to take the reins. We'll see. But play your character the way you want. Um, but it'd be more fun if you did that way. <laughs> but don't listen to me. I'm just a simple talk show host with simple opinions. Anyway, um, yeah. So one more question for you, and then we will branch out a little bit. So you did get roped into Midnight Mass, and you did get a little bit tricked um, by that perfectly nice priest who uh may have magically bound you yeah bound you a little bit so how's Ariana feeling about her introduction to the church of Asmodeus since it's not bad exactly but it's a little bit bad um she I think she gets what happened and I think she understands why it happened um I, if I were thinking about like a new person coming into my temple where I'm the priest and they didn't seem to understand the importance of what it means to follow that, that God, um, what it means to be a part of that faith, what it means to walk that path, I would put them to a test, which is exactly what happened. Oriana got put to a test. Hey, you want this information? Here's a thing you got to say. And it just so happens that it's a it's a double lesson in and of itself of a, this is how our temple works, but by the way, this is how our temple works, <laughs> um, and it, it, it's one of those things where if he had just asked her to do it, she would have done it. If he had asked her to come and play for the midnight mass, she probably would have said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so she knows that this priest isn't trying to abuse her mistake. You know, he's not forcing her to kill people or do something that she doesn't want to do. He's forcing, he forced her to do something that she loves doing. And he even let her keep the violin after it, um, which means a lot. Cursed. Eh, well, no. Um, Campion, no, Campion did detect magic on it. It might be cursed. Did he? Yeah, he he, he he rolled through his glasses and he didn't see anything on it. So, I'm I'm hopeful it's not cursed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't think DM would uh, force a character into a decision and then punish the character for that decision. We, we, um, you're talking to both the people that received curse items already for their decisions. <laughs> okay, listen, listen. We had a choice on that listen. one. Listen, yeah, um, <laughs> you could have did I, You know, you could have declined that violin. I could have. I could have declined the violin. Um, I, I don't think it's cursed. I don't think. I don't think it's cursed. Um, in before it's cursed, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it, it's she. She's taking the lesson to heart. You have to be careful with your words. Words are power is the lesson here. And that's what the the faith and the path really revolves around, being a leader, using your words to inspire. Those are the tenets. Those are the, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, and and to manipulate. You don't have to do it, you know, as the priest pointed out, it what some of the misconceptions say of like everybody, you know, who follows Asmodeus is trying to get you to make a bad deal and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like there are people in the faith that do that, just like there are people in the, you know, Paylor's faith who probably smite people for jaywalking. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh-huh. there's, there, she understands the danger of walking this path now without having to face something more dangerous than a priest who wants to make sure she's learned a lesson. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see her interact with more of Asmodeus' faithful, hopefully. She's so much to learn, it's so fun. (laughs) Um, Cool beans. Okay, so I loved how Sinric was like, you talk bad to Oriana. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but then it was late. It was really late. <laughs> <laughs> she was being super vague. Um, 
But then Senra kind of organized the let's go make sure Oriana is okay party. So what what's the relationship there? Because I feel like it has become complicated, especially since Senra killed her recently. I mean, I think that was just a matter of, okay, she's probably going to get herself hurt mm -hmm. and campions with her, and he's going to do something stupid that's going to exacerbate the situation. They probably need a chaperone. I mean, it, it's one Logical. of those where, you know, essentially being kind of like a defender in the back seat, so to speak, you know, letting them do their own thing, but you know, maybe being a little bit close behind in case something goes bad. Does this make Sinric the mom friend of the party? Just making sure nobody, like, wanders into traffic? I mean, I feel like I did the exact same thing with Baltaim, just, you know, in the city, like, the same day. Uh, so, I mean, I guess so. This is what happens when you're the oldest. <laughs> it's like, oh crap, he did something stupid. Okay, well, you know, I got these stupid kids. Let's, let's, you know, make sure he doesn't do something else stupid. Nice. Yeah, it's like Cedric's very. He's not especially emotive, but he kind of. It seems like he's always taking sort of like subtle actions to make sure the party is not getting into anything too stupid as much as he can of course he can't stop everyone from doing anything no it's more of a reactionary thing mm. i mean that that's kind of where the water was it's like okay what's he gonna do that's stupid in the water jump out of a boat i mean at least he can swim i hope we don't know <laughs> yeah let's contain this into a nice boat <laughs> plus i mean i'm more at home on the water anyway so uh -huh. it, it was a chance to look at the situation for what it was it was a chance to scout the city get some information you know, and yeah, it Logical. didn't, yeah. So it was kind of the same way with Oriana. I mean, it was one of those where it's like, okay, um, that's a cagey answer at best. If they can't tell me what's going on, then chances are it's not good. Mm -hmm. um, so was was military at some point, and we talked before about how this like really kind of affects his attitude and the way he, um, when he sort of processes things and deals with all the stuff that's happening, was he an officer or was he just like ground troops? Actually, I don't think we've ever discussed that, but I was under the understanding um, at the point of everything happening, he's basically an infantry. You know, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like a high rank officer or something like that, but, you know, someone who understands how camaraderie works and how mm -hmm. you know a battalion works and you know protecting the people you're with and stuff like that and that's kind of where you know the angles coming from it's like okay we're, we're traveling we need to make sure everyone is you know yeah you're gonna have your disputes but at the end of the day i need you you know at someone's back mm -hmm. it's like okay you can squabble begin to formation yeah exactly yeah yeah i think that really comes through in the way he interacts with these other very non-military people um Cool beans. Okay, so and with that, we're going to move on to our topic for today, which is playing characters who aren't like you. This is kind of like playing against type 2.0, except you're the type. Um, yeah, so it's essentially like playing characters with like different personality traits, skills, life experiences, something that most of us do with our characters. So first question, do you do you think you play tend to play characters who are similar to you in personality or no? I think 100%. Sorry. 100%, yeah. I, I have to actively come up with characters that are not like me and then really get into that mindset if I'm ever going to play something like that. Like, um, not, not, not a great example because I didn't end up getting to play him, but Walker would be somebody who's very unlike yeah. me and that was like, that was going to be an attempt at playing somebody very different but sadly oh, no power that day yeah sadly he was oriana <laughs> i mean sadly he was serenity yeah yeah no rip next time next halloween next time. Next time. i mean he was clutch though either way he was so clutch i've, I've been told i've been told he was very clutch <laughs> could have gone either way he could have killed us or saved us okay wonderful 
I mean, I, I think um, it's a little bit more complicated. I, I think regardless of like how you play a character, some part of you shines mm-hmm. through. And usually for me, it's that carefree attitude like with all the characters I play, it, it, that's usually incorporated at some form, um, whether it be through a sense of like pragmatism and, you know, it, like emotionally, I don't want to say devoid, but being able to take the emotion out of a decision to the point of being just straight 100% upfront, not caring or carefree. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, some traits of the person always manage to carry in regardless of how you're trying to play the character. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely always true because you're always yourself, you know, if you're acting. It's like um, ingrained into you. I mean, it, it's going to come through at some form or another. Yeah, especially since like characters aren't scripted. So you are making up your script as you go along. Yeah, and I mean, to top it off, none of us are actors. Wait, you guys don't have a script? I mean, if you have a script, <laughs> more work yeah, than Serenity I'm emails in. it to me every day. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. It explains yeah. a lot. <laughs> That's so mean. Um, <laughs> to who, though, the question is, to who does that mean? Um, yeah, Jake, though, like, what, what, kind of like what Tick was saying, which of your characteristics tend to just, like, come through in every character you play? Um, I, I tend to always be that very high moral character mm. in a way um, that kind of always bleeds through, which is one of the reasons why I like it when I DM and I get to play the villains because I get just, I get, I get to just say, nah, screw all that yeah. stuff. Let's be as evil as possible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, to the point where I just, I, 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 overdo how evil this person is oh this guy's obviously scummy yeah let's have him hit on his secretary while the party's keeping an eye on him or something Look, you, know villains, I mean? you can just like, go ham yeah. <laughs> yeah. see it's more fun when you play that kind of villain but they still do something good to like save everyone because mm. then it's like where are they coming from who knows I know. I like it both. I like villains with like no redeeming qualities, and I also like villains. I just like villains. <laughs> just into villains. Good, good, villi- good villains come in two flavors, and both flavors are valid. It's all delicious. Um, yeah. As, as for what I do, I literally always forget I'm not the face. If I'm playing a low charisma character, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> Halloween too. Like that was not a high charisma character, but I kept trying to like interrogate people. I was like, okay. There's also a really dumb character, but I kept trying to interrogate people. Or horse. Yeah. Oh my god, my horse. I forgot about my horse. <laughs> Tragic. Horrible um, horse owner. Wasn't my fault. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, so to piggyback off what you just said, I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about a low charis- uh, charisma character. Um, I, I think that kind of influences as well, like how you want to play something based on like what type of stats you go. Oh, yeah, because, definitely. you know, a lot of places they roll for stats. You know, I haven't played a whole lot of games that were not like pickup games where you do like a standard array or something like that. Most of the time it's rolled. Um, so you're kind of you get given like a rough outline and it's like, OK, what can I make for this character here? Do I want to play a buffoon? Do I want to play someone intelligent? But maybe not so good with words. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, I find that I don't like finalize my character concept until after staff roll because, you know, that does affect what kind of character you're going to play. Um, actually, um, talking about stats, so with um, with like intelligence, particularly because that is something that you are, I think, semi-obligated to role play if you do have a dumb character. Is it hard to play a character who's smarter than you or dumber than you? Which I think it's harder? harder to play a character that's dumber. I mean, it, it's you know super easy to. It, it, this is going to sound horrible, so I apologize <laughs> up front. But it's super easy to pretend you're more intelligent than what you are, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's something that. It, at least I find myself doing occasionally, depending on, you know, subjects that I'm talking about, at least, you know, as far as in my day-to-day with work and everything like that. Um, but it's hard to, again, poor terminology, dumb yourself down 
it, it's it, and it's also one of those where it's like you really don't want to because it's like okay i'm playing a character with six intelligence how would beat club fix problem <laughs> it, and it feels almost like derogatory to approach a situation like that mm-hmm. um at least in my head uh, so it's yeah i think it's harder to play someone dumber than what you are or i should say less intelligent i mean i th- I think it depends on your own personal play style a little bit too. Um, take uh, take take our lovely friend Jay. Um, <laughs> we can't stop talking about even though he isn't here. Um, he is doing an excellent job, I feel, of playing a character. Um, not 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 to disparage Jay. Not to disparage Jay. Uh, a character who's obviously smarter than him. Um, and that comes through for me because I can see like how he gets a little bit of the science wrong every now and again. And I'm just like, Oh no, no, that's not how that works. But but if I didn't know this, but if I didn't know the science, I would believe the hell out of him. So he plays it very well. Um, but and that's the thing, which you know, you know, you never yeah, know yeah. if it's on purpose. Or I think you it's never on purpose. Know. You that, never know. It's for humor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he does that. Personally, just to mess I think with he. You. Pers- yeah, personally, I think he knows. I think he knows, and he just doesn't mess with me. Um, but I would agree, it can also be harder to play a character not as intelligent as you, because how do you how do you go about doing that? The you know hit thing with stick, you know thing that Tick was talking about, that only goes so far, um, and. Uh, Travis Willingham, when he played Grog, I feel like did a very good job of it mm-hmm. because he didn't re- he didn't really focus on the the dumbness outside of RP moments where he used it more for comedy. You know, Pike's trying to teach him the alphabet. Oh, I don't know so well on the numbers like that. I mean, that is how I think you get away with it. It, it also goes to reason, I mean, just because someone lacks intelligence as far as like verbal communication doesn't mean they lack intelligence in one form or, or another. I mean, you, you can have someone that's a great tactician and can't write his name or her name. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah. they can understand tactics and combat on the battlefield, or they can understand a particular type of thing, but not convey that properly. I mean, one of the reasons why I think it's harder to play someone, you know, less intelligent is the fact that we make intelligence checks against things. So we are fed like a kind of directive based on the role that we get. So we kind of almost regardless have a prompt to work with. So, you know, say you're playing someone that's more intelligent than you physically are as far as a character and you roll like a 28 on your intelligence check, the information is more not given to you but that prompt is thrown at you so you can work with that and have that information whereas you know a character that has six intelligence is never going to get that 20 intelligence you know dc that you know it's just not possible so that that's another reason why i think it's easier to play above as well you you have some added help from the dm Mm -hmm. yeah Except, of course, when you're trying to do a puzzle and you have, like, 20 intelligence, but you personally are just fucking terrible puzzles. Oh, yeah. I swear yeah. our next puzzle is just going to be a circle room with doors and we're going to be there for, you know, four sessions. Yeah. They're all those, just doors. Those, oh. those puzzles were simultaneously my most proudest moment in this campaign and my most depressed moment in this campaign where I didn't get the cup one, but I got the who's at fault one, like, perfectly. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly, I think that sort of fits with the way Oriana understands things, because I think she does have more of an, an interest or, like, an instinct for the way people interact with each other more than, like, logic puzzles, if that makes sense. Because she's a high charisma character, so that would logically yeah, follow. Her, She'd be better at people than Cuff. her. Yeah, her her intelligence is is very much in sort of uh, books and understanding how to talk to people, or at least 
Allegedly. People who aren't named Perry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, like, talk around everything. It's her culture, uh, God. Yeah, well, I mean, I... Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. yeah. But, like, the thing I always come back to is uh, her willingness to step up to talk to um, the, the, the guy who owned the mines in Dahana. You know, she knows she knows how to talk to certain people. And that's where a lot of her intelligence comes comes into play, I think. Mm. Nobility begets school. nobility. Well, that and, I mean, she definitely thinks her, her ability to talk to people is a lot better than it is, but, you know, she tries to be the face of the group if she thinks it's a serious incident, like when, like the marketplace incident, she wanted to be the one to talk to try and get everybody, you know, try and get everybody out of it without dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, actually, about that, Jake, are you a face IRL? Oh, God, no. What's it like trying to play a face? How do you do that? Um, it's, it's a bit easier because as a teacher, you kind of have to be a face. Um, which is one of those things where it's just kind of like I switch myself into professional mode. Um, and, I, and I pretend I'm just talking like I know on everything I'm talking about um, when it comes to Oriana. Because that, that's really what it is to be a teacher. You're, you're just, you're saying things with the conviction of, yes, this is, <laughs> this is correct. Don't you dare question me. <laughs> oh, I used to fight with teachers all the time in high school. That's terrible. <laughs> um, sorry, stuff keeps falling on the floor. The recording. Um, God. Okay, so when you're playing characters who are dislimmer, dissimilar to you, whether they have like skills that you don't have, like the way, like how campaigns are science and is not necessarily science or how Oriana's um, knows how to talk to people when Jake is perhaps not as comfortable doing that in real life. How do you prepare yourself for that? Like, how do you switch into that mindset? Do you have tips? Is it just plain acting? I mean, you try the best you can to, you know, get in that acting mindset of, you know, just thinking of what that character would be capable of doing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's kind of a weird setup because, I mean, if you yourself don't have the equivalent of, say, you know, 20 strength in real life, how do you know exactly what, you know, you can and cannot do? Um you just kind of have to guess and yeah or if your character has like an engineering degree and you can't work a wrench like yeah it's like i mean you know you're going to be able to figure out how to you know move a spanner or something but then Um, again i think someone with average intelligence would be able to understand you know this end fits here and spin so i mean it it's you know yeah one thing i i would recommend is fake it until you make it um, you know, your character could be a nuclear physicist and you may have flunked out of chemistry in high school or whatever. Um, the beauty of D&D is that you can kind of just say whatever you want and through the magic of storytelling, whatever you say makes sense. Or, you know, the DM can help you come up with a better way of expressing it or something. One way, using Oriana as an example, one way I, I use Oriana's face this even though i'm not much of a face is i just i try to be as verbose as possible i try to use as many words as possible i try to make it as flowery as possible you know it it, does it necessarily make sense probably not does it confuse the hell out of the other characters all the time but that's kind of the whole point awesome um yeah so Actually, kind of question that um, sort of flows out of this. So when you, as a player, are trying to do stuff that your character can do, but you can't do, as as a DM, how do you help players compensate for that? Because if someone has like 20 intelligence as a character, um, but they're say bad at logic puzzles in IRL like is there a way to compensate for that when a, a character should be able to do something that the player cannot um honeyed words and like hidden double meetings and hope people like you know pick up on some of that 
because I mean, just because you got a high roll doesn't mean you get like piece by piece of the information. But I mean, it's one of those where it's a matter of, okay, what can I say to get you through the door? I mean, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, that's one of those things where the whole table can kind of come together since it's communal storytelling. You know, not everybody in a group is going to have the the real world equivalent of a twenty intelligence, um, but somebody in the group might, and they might be able to say, "Oh, well, you know, what you're saying with you know mixing two types of plants. I mean, that that wouldn't do what you're trying to do. Uh, maybe try wording it this way." Or as a DM, you can step in, and since you control the whole world, you can say, yeah, you know what? I decided that particular science thing you're trying to do, that works in this world. Right. I guess you can push two magnets works. together. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> good thing about things. having like a group, you know, just like what you said, having a group together, you know, come together a moment, it could lead to a potential situation, what, you know, I'm going to call like the idiot savant or, you know, like the dumb luck mm -hmm. situation where you know you're playing a character that doesn't have good intelligence but then you the player itself is you know intelligent and it's like oh i have this idea and it's like I, it doesn't make sense to me but it just came to my head i mean so you kind of have that dumb luck moment which a flash of genius yeah yeah exactly so give you know characters a chance to shine at things they might not be good for mm -hmm. well not good for that's a horrible terminology but good at yeah exactly that's what i was looking for yeah um so like to what degree can dice be used as a substitute for role play like in these kind of situations where you should be able to do something but maybe you personally can't do it i'm thinking particularly in in like situations where you need to like persuade someone or charm someone where you personally might not necessarily have the right words to do it but your character should um, in that case, I, 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 as a DM would look at what they're using in terms of their RP to influence the outcome of this. For example, maybe they aren't good at, at, at talking to people, but they're, you know, instead of saying what the character would say, they're verbalizing, well, I would play up to their ego because we know this guy has a big mm -hmm. ego and if you stroke it, you know, he'll bend over backwards to help you you know okay make a persuasion check oh 20 okay yeah you've you you flower him with honeyed words and praise and he's willing to help you he's out really sticky now yeah. yeah now to caveat that though i mean that works great and say like a private situation but you know going back to what we're doing we we do this for an audience and mm -hmm it boils down to the point of, you know, if you say something like, oh, I'm going to, you know, speak to his ego, how does that, you know, feel to the audience, whereas they would actually want to know what you say, as opposed to just, I'm going to talk, you know, this guy up and make him, you know, elevate this guy and make him feel bigger than he is. If it's that makes higher sense. Higher standard of performance when you're actually doing it for I an mean, audience. Yeah. There, there has to be like a level of RP that goes with it. Um, and that's kind of where the dice help, I think. Um, if it's something that you can do beyond a shadow of a doubt as far as your character, then there's really no point in rolling the dice. I mean, just do it, if that makes sense. Not, not to use myself as an example to sound like the person who's very self-obsessed, but I can't sing worth a damn. And I, tr I try to sing you know, inspirations, or if, you know, there's some, like the karaoke uh, from Avonhurst or whatever, I try. It doesn't sound good. I'm pretty sure the podcast listeners like, oh God, not again, take the headphones off. Um, What's the last time you say on, on stream? Um, Episode after I died. It came back to life. That's a while ago. No. <laughs> I've, I've sung since then. I've sung some inspiration since then. I'm trying to remember. I, the, pro the problem is, is that I, I, I usually inspire just one person, so I never, 
I never get around to the other inspirations that I have prepared. So it's mm-hmm. just like, a, uh, that, uh, I, I've used up all my creativity on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here, have some inspiration. You feel inspired. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I still have a bunch for... I had, I had a couple for Dobby, but I mean, we're not going to get oh, to see those anymore. Oh, um, Can you read one I, for us? Uh, he has them up. Let me see. Hold on. I'm going to pour one out for Dobby. Um, I'm not going to do that on my carpet floor. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my key. <laughs> you know what? I think I, I may have deleted Dobby's. Oh, uh, oh well. I don't see them anymore. But I do. I do have some for Baltaim, but I never really get a good opportunity to use Baltaim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got one for Campion, but I haven't gotten an opportunity to uh, inspire him in combat in a while. Well, we'll see it on stream. Um, yeah, kind of. So staying on the t- same topic a little bit. To what degree are you obligated to? like role play your skills with stuff. Because um, you may, because obviously like um, Jay does it quite a bit where he talks through the science stuff. It doesn't necessarily make sense because he doesn't have a background in science, but he does do it. But are you like obligated to do that? Jay is crazy. Um, so I don't think that's a fair example. Um, but like but, if, if yeah. you are like a master carpenter, your character, but you are not a master carpenter. To what degree do you need to like kind of demonstrate in character that you know how to put chair together, if that makes any sense? I think as it, much as you're comfortable doing. Yeah, or, or as much as the situation calls for. Mm-hmm. Like if you're on a spat of downtime for, you know, a week because you just finished something, you're not going to describe in detail how you build a chair. Whereas, you know, if you're explaining to someone in like an RP moment of how to connect two pieces of wood together, then, you know, you could use that as an RP moment. So I, I think it's as the situation calls for. That's how important the chair is. <laughs> It'd be a very important chair. Um, I mean, it could be. You could be okay, making I mean, a throw. It could, it could generally be a very important chair. Like who knows what's going to happen in D&D. So do you guys like enjoy playing characters who are not like you is it a good way to like stretch your acting skills or is it just very interesting or like what what's the inspiration there why do you do it it's very interesting to develop characters that aren't you but for me personally it's very hard to play traits that i'm not because i am a stubborn something so it's very hard to break out of what i am uh it can be quite cathartic uh in my opinion it gives you a chance to be somebody else for a few hours. Um, so, from a and it, in a way, it's a it, it'd be like a form of escapism. Yeah, that's D and D in the hole right there. It is, it is, but even more so. Like you, you don't want, you don't want to, you know, role play Joe Schmo, the accountant, you know, who happens to know a couple of magic spells and has a spell book. You know what I mean? Like you, you still want to play like the overconfident wizard. You know, whose wits cannot be matched. I kind of want to be an accountant wizard now. I'm a risk I, from, a I risk cast from profit margins. So, in order to cast spells, you have your calculator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you'd probably be an abacus, but yeah. Oh, wonderful. Um, so, like, out of all your characters, I want you to think back into like the annals of history, like. Which one do you think was the least like you? Like the farthest you strayed from your own personality and own experiences to build a character? That cleric I played with the arm collecting fetish. That was an old character, right? I remember yeah. you mentioning yep. that in a, in a um, past that, episode. That's where you just go like, you know, balls to the wall crazy. You know, you, mm-hmm. you make something completely outlandish and it's just fun. Yeah. there's the freedom to do that in D&D where you can just be like, I'm just going to be an insane person, you know? Don't yeah. you just want to go apeshit? Sometimes, yeah. Oriana may end, may actually be... Really? It, it, it'd either be her or Walker, but I never really got a chance to play Walker, so I don't know how he feels necessarily. I don't know how much different he is than me. Why? Just because you, you learn more about a character as you're playing them. 
No, I mean, why Oriana? Oh, why Oriana? Um, again, she's much more talkative than I am. Um, she doesn't. You're not quiet. <laughs> I'm not quiet. No, but like, that's because we're all friends here. <laughs> if you I mean, see I'm me, still in a, quiet. if you see me in a room at, if you see me in a room full of teachers at school, I am the quietest teacher at that table. Um, you know, when I'm around people I'm not friends with or mm-hmm. I'm I'm not familiar with, I am a quiet person. Introverted, valid. Yeah. Ugh, strangers. Um, <laughs> okay, we love we love strangers, especially when they're our fans. Yes. Fans are family. Are they really strangers? Um, I had one more question I wanted to ask, but that is our time. So we'll have to come back to it sometime in the future. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show on a lovely, another lovely Tuesday evening. Um, yeah, that's, that's it for today. Interesting stuff come, came up and interesting stuff will definitely happen on Friday as we see the consequences of our actions once again. So make sure to tune in on Friday to see what the heck is going to happen with that violin's really cursed if uh, Fulton and Perry are going to make out some more. And are we going to get a long rest? Are we going to get a long rest? Who knows? I think everyone's going to be really tired tomorrow. Um, oh. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, yeah, and tune back in on Tuesday next week to see us talking about what happened on Friday. You know the drill by now. Check out our Discord. We just got a shiny new bot, I believe. Um, so come see that. It's very exciting. Uh, check out our memes. Check out everything else. We're friendly. We'll be your friends. Check out our Twitter. Check out our Twitch um, backlog. We have some old episodes on there. Check out our YouTube um, thank you to uh, Lady Meows and Sunbird for doing our music and our little title card. I couldn't quite hold that for a minute. Um, and stick around for links. We've got new ones this week. Um, India's doing bad, so we've got some links for you to hopefully donate to them. Um, a dollar's worth a lot more than their money, so your money will really go a long way. Uh, for them as they struggle to overcome this huge surge they're having right now in terms of COVID cases. Um, Yeah, and that's it. I hope you have a great night and a great week. Bye.